Welcome to the Bite of Why podcast, everybody. This Happy New Year 2021 to everyone. And um, we are pleased to be joined by our first guest of the new year. We have Tyler Corsair, uh, who is the founder of Teslascope, which is a very popular data logging platform for anyone with a Tesla vehicle. And um, it's great to have you on the show, Tyler. Thank you, and happy Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Uh, Nash, all the way from down south, it's already two days into 2021 now for you. How's it been That's so right. far? We, we are in the future, it's pretty good. Uh, hindsight 2020, as they say. Hindsight <laughs> is finally 2020, that is right. It's finally. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's finally hindsight 2020. We're, we're far past that uh, um, craziness of a year. Uh, it's not. It's like it's it's a year that's, uh, that that ought not to be in the uh, in the history of things. But there we are. But anyway, uh, we must say that Australia has been good. Uh, we have a few cases now, but uh, not in the um, not in the vicinity of the uh, numbers that the rest of the world is seeing. So we are blessed, to be honest. Um, and and before I go, uh, thanks KK for the camp. Uh, it's custom made. Really love it. Thanks, mate. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, special shout out to Cyril Wheeler uh, who got that done for us. Um, wonderful. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Tyler, why don't you give us uh, uh, an elevator pitch about Teslascope? All right. When it started, how what got you thinking uh, about starting the service? And uh, what keeps you going? So, uh, Teslascope is a kind of a worldwide focused uh, access to your vehicle to be able to track your your charging sessions, your driving sessions, to kind of dive in more and discover more about your vehicle in general, as well as kind of compare a lot of different statistics and things like the release notes and and the software and so forth, and a lot of other things beyond that. Um, I began Tesla Scope because uh, when I first got my vehicle, um, I'm I'm very into kind of like metrics and analytics, so I kind of wanted to be able to have like a kind of a historical view of my experiences with my Tesla. Uh, when I first got my Model Three, I got it with the intention of trying to kind of going on road trips and exploring more of the uh, country than I ever ever had been before, and I, I've succeeded at that so far. I've uh, visited about six seven states in it. Um, but I really wanted a kind of a beautiful way of visualizing all that and uh, kind of looking back at it. So um, I tried a couple of the services that were around a year or two ago when I first got my vehicle. I loved the functionality of them. I loved a lot of kind of what they offered and uh, kind of explored the community. But I, it, none of them really hit exactly what I was looking for. Um, so I began Teslascope as a passion project for myself. I uh, awesome. kind of built exactly the things that I was looking for that I kind of as a, as a Tesla owner myself wanted to uh, be able to see. And I posted just a few pictures here and there in a different, different couple different communities, uh, mainly on the uh, Discord server for uh, the uh, Tesla subreddit. And uh, people immediately started saying, hey, I, this looks great. I want to be able to try this up and so forth. Uh, we got, you know, we got fl uh, floating wheels on the uh, the preview there. Yeah, yep. I yeah. um, I go. really I, just w I wanted to be able to kind of bring exactly what people were in the community were looking for, uh, different features that kind of other services have been missing out on. Um, add dark mode because a lot of services didn't have that, and I I, I work at night. Yeah. I, I I almost almost work all at night, so being able to look at my website and look, look at the things I'm working on and not hurt my eyes was super important to me and everyone else. 
Um, and I mainly, I just wanted, whenever I work on something, I always want to make the best possible experience for anyone who's using it. So from every, in every regard, from both myself as a, as a user of every single day, but also for everyone else, I wanted to just create every kind of, kind of the, the uh, Swiss army knife of everything for uh, Tesla owners. Um, there's a couple things that I offer that are exclusive. There's a lot of other services that offer their own, you know, exclusive and unique uh, little uh, quirks and so forth, so forth. So yeah. that's that's pretty much the uh, the gist of uh, what got me into Tesla Scope and what keeps what keeps me going. Fantastic! I I think you really hit the nail on the head when I think the the primary driving force is trying to create the Swiss Army knife um, for for data analytics for for. Yeah. You know the, those people who are really focused on the data, like yourself, and I would like to call myself as data heavy. Um, right. I think Nash as well. I think that's one of the primary driving forces behind why we started this podcast, because uh, we wanted to also dive into the data and um, extract insights that may otherwise not be really apparent. And right. a huge part into well, the yeah. into extraction of those insights is the data collection tools that we use. And uh, right. and Tesla Scope is definitely yeah. one that I use for sure, and Nash as well. Yeah. Um, fantastic. All right. So with that, let's just uh, dive into a bunch of questions that uh, that we put together here. Yeah. Uh, I think you answered. I think you answered the first one, uh, which I have like from a global perspective. What does it take to set up Tesla Scope? But from a technical standpoint, this this let, let's keep this podcast a little technical. Let's dive deep into the. That's good. You want to go functions? You want to go code base? You want to go all that that deep? Let's let's do sure. it. Okay. Um, so what what does it what talk us through a day in the life of a, a person who handles Tesla Scope? There's right. there's there's so many different features that come together to put together that web page that an end user sees, right? Right. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about the UI, UX, backend databases. Let's talk about monitoring services that you have running. Let's talk about how do you, how do you deal with crashes? How do you deal with services freezing? How do you deal with, with uh, data not populating, corrupt fields in tables? Let's yeah, let's talk. Right. Let's go technical. I mean, let's do this for the viewers. All right. So uh, just from the from the the uh, ground up, uh, Tesla Scope is powered through a uh, kind of a framework called called Laravel, which is a, a PHP framework. Uh, PHP itself uh, is is it's still used quite often by a lot of web services, um, but without using a couple of little things here and there, it's a little little hard to work with. Uh, so I used Laravel to kind of make things in the whole experience uh, coding a little bit easier. Um, and every every aspect of the service is coded through Laravel, uh, both the back end and the front end. Uh, even the uh, vehicle uh, polling infrastructure that I coded is all in Laravel. Um, so having everything just in one place, all on a consistent uh, programming language for me, it makes it so I can just kind of dive right in, know exactly what I'm working with, and have everything kind of in the same place. Um, Tesla Scope is hosted through AWS. Um, I utilize just a single uh, EC2 instance for everything, web server, polling, every, and so forth. Um, I think I, I utilize Elastic Cache, which is for uh, Redis and kind of caching different information so that you don't have to hit the uh, database as often. Um, for the database, we use uh, RDS, which is one of, or RDS Aurora, which is one of the, uh, I guess, more premium uh, offerings of uh, from Amazon. Um, that just, um, testing initially, that really helped with a little bit of the uh, kind of throughput and getting things a little bit more responsive, um, which the faster, the better in some aspects, but just I always, I always like things being a little bit a little as uh, quick and responsive as possible. 
Um, the front end is in the design is a little bit of a mix of uh, Bootstrap was kind of the uh, base layout, and then I've kind of worked worked uh, on that over the over the years and over the time working on it, and kind of customized it a little bit. Um, and let's see, um, kind of uh, can, can you ask kind of the same question again, or kind of uh, anything else that I missed? No, I. Um, so this is. I must say that the, the layout just looks amazing. And dark, dark mode is just phenomenal. And because now our smartphones have uh, such great resolution on the on the screens, oh, it's right. just amazing. So I, I want to thank you for that first, mate. The, 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 the way the, uh, the website looks is just phenomenal. Um, I, ha I had a, a sub-question, though. Uh, is, there, is there a possibility or are you looking into making like a PWA, a, a progressive web app in the future, so that it becomes... Uh, it becomes agnostic to uh, to platforms. Yes. So um, whenever I kind of dive into services, I always start with kind of a kind of static kind of a static side and, and focus at first, and then uh, this next year I'm going to be uh, kind of revisiting every single website, uh, converting a lot of the different uh, kind of ways that data is accessed to uh, different JSON APIs, and then every mm -hmm. single aspect of the service. So it will kind of will be the main things at first, then eventually everything else, but it, everything will. Transition so that everything on the page will be updated in real time. No need to refresh. No need to do anything. The data always there will just be kind of live and exactly what exactly what you are expecting. And if it's like live data or coming right from the vehicle, oh, um, that's, so that's building upon experience, making it a lot a lot more res responsive and just fast for everyone. <laughs> Interesting. Now, the, the reason uh, why, yeah. Sorry, sorry, KK. Just just as a yeah. as a corollary, if you have a if you have a PWA, you can just wrap that into an app, like quite easily that so that that was a couple that was an angle that i was initially exploring and i and i there is there is like a very beta version of that that is kind of a pwa oh. in, in, a, in a sense but that, that I, it here first. <laughs> not not today i not to, not today unfortunately um, but adding functionality um kind of to build upon that web app is really important to me and uh, there's a couple little little aspects that you can't do uh precisely with an uh pwa so like having notifications that are native is really important to me i want to be able to work on uh watch apps that work natively with that app as well so if you have an uh, apple sure. watch or any of the android gear stuff or android wear i think right, um yeah. you'll be able to work on that um, having kind of things that built work either with uh, with Siri or with Google to be able to have kind of things that build upon the experience, but still require a little bit more of a uh, extensive uh, build out, I guess, in a sense. But, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I okay. think um, so. I've seen the trend. Uh, we we went from web only to then progressive PWAs, yeah. right? To then going to iOS, Android other ecosystems. Now people seem to be coming back to the PWA concept. PWA, I think yeah, that's uh, right. there's something, uh, I don't know it technically, but I think there's something in the the ability to go in, troubleshoot, get patches and fixes out, and deploy new features that seems to be attractive about PWAs to developers going like, oh, absolutely. like, like yeah, like being yeah. platform agnostic. Absolutely. You know, yeah. there's one yeah. school of thought saying you need to be platform specific to deliver the best experience possible. And then there's one school of thought saying you need to be platform agnostic to get the, the experience, not the best, mm. but the experience out right. to as many people as possible. Because yeah. there is no guarantee that the people out there are going to be running the latest and greatest firmware or software or even right. hardware devices that are latest yeah. gen. But we know for a fact a browser works everywhere. Exactly. Um, so when I, I think, sorry, sorry, after you, mate. 
when I first uh, started working on the website with Tesloscope, because it's uh, based on Bootstrap, I was immediately able to make sure that you know everything worked and worked and, and functioned and looked beautiful on mobile. Mobile, uh, you know, I say about I think sixty three percent of uh, people on the internet currently use use mobile or move, use mobile devices as their primary way of accessing things. So, oh, okay. um, there were a lot of services. Uh, a lot of services are kind of already based on iOS or Android, but there were a lot that were web based that just didn't didn't look perfect or didn't look really good on mobile. Uh, you either have to zoom in all the way or just a lot of little things like that. So making sure that the website was responsive, making sure that you can kind of streamline and view things and so forth uh, was really important to me. Just make sure that every every single device, whether you're on a mobile device, a tablet or so forth, it works and it functions uh, perfectly and beautifully. I will say, uh, you know, with Mark in the chat, uh, with Tesla tip, you know, Tesla tip looks beautiful on mobile, looks beautiful on all devices, but it, it just making sure you have that ex extensive, be able to um, you know support every device is a really, really great thing. Now, I, I think it also uh, boils down to the fact that uh, Apple finally started uh, supporting progressive web apps in a, in a massive manner with the previous iOS, isn't it? Um, it right. Was not, uh, it was not, I think, was it iOS? Um, 13? I think it was the previous one, yeah. Yes. 13, 13 dots, yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 That's when that's when they started uh, really supporting progressive web apps. Till then, Safari was wishy washy uh, with regards to um, progressive web apps. I um, more, so more, I recently uh, entered the gaming sphere again, and I noticed that a bunch of uh, support websites for the games I'm playing mm. have PWAs that right. look beautiful. Like mm. they mm. they try to emulate the in-game experience. Um, on the web page um, with right. somewhat the same design aesthetic and the design ethos and the usability and the way the buttons look and things like that. It just adds a different flair to the whole experience. I think it 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 does genuinely add that companion feeling to third-party apps, which otherwise come with a very different design ethos. Like, yeah. And to bring it into uh, into vogue in the discussion we're having, you know, when you are into the Tesla ecosystem, yeah. it's nice to have extensions of the Tesla ecosystem that feel like they belong. And I think the PWA experience and apps with a good uh, design ethos only help contribute to that feeling and Absolutely. general acceptance from the public out there. Because like you mentioned, Tyler, I mean, you've started Tesla Scope a few years ago, right? And uh, sure just just uh, just uh, last or um, not last year now, but uh, I think I started it in August of 2019. So. There you go. So you're, oh, wow. you're yeah. just you're just over a year and a half uh, old. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at it that way in for Tesla Scope, and I'm sure it must have been hard trying to get user acceptance, like to buy into the actual. Oh, let's download oh, yeah. another service. Let's log in. Let's allow access. Um, which brings me to another question: How do you are you planning to go? How do you ask, How do you work on the security side of it? Like a lot of people have yes. problems granting access to their Tesla credentials. Like right, I more than, more than problems. Yeah, okay. go ahead. The more than problems, they are they are not completely informed. So I think it would be best if right. uh, Tyler tells it, you know, in in the way that it's most conducive for people to understand uh, what it involves. So basically, to summarize the question, I guess it would be: How do you handle security on Tesla uh, Tesla Scope? Like, right. How is the user's credentials protected or used or um, not used? Not used, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So to uh, kind of give a kind of a, a kind of a preface to everything before we before we dive into security, um, 
when connecting to your Tesla, when uh, interacting with your vehicle, uh, just for, for those who are either aren't technical or to kind of give a little more of an explanation, um, you have to essentially grant access and grant author, you know, to authorize access to your both your vehicles as well as your Tesla account. And to do so, um, there's been kind of two uh, methods. They both route to the same the, through, the, through the same way eventually, but uh, two methods that a lot of apps have uh, pretty much historically used for access, uh, granting and being able to, to then. Uh, have access to your vehicles. Uh, the first step is either directly providing your credentials through the website, and when that happens, the credentials at no point are ever stored on the on the actual service server itself. They're immediately sent to Tesla. Tesla brings back and gives us a kind of either if, if it succeeded, it gives us a um, valid access tokens. Those tokens are then immediately encrypted, uh, put into the database. And from that point on, every single request that has anything to do with the Tesla account, whether it's just checking if you have vehicles on the account, uh, checking the status of your of your vehicle, uh, requesting for access for uh, all the different data and so forth, all of that comes from that one encrypted key. It's it's uh, decrypted every, on every single request, so it has a little bit more uh, CPU usage uh, with you know by doing so. But it, that by doing so, you're able to keep everything secure. No credentials are, are ever stored that way. So if there's ever if they, or, you know obviously every service uh, prays that you know you never end up having anyone you know break in or having or hack into anything. But uh, with that in mind, you know if some if that were to happen, uh, everyone's uh, data and information is safe that way. Um, Another really important thing to me was uh, at no point anywhere on the website are you actually able to access your stored access tokens. So that let's say that someone else, so just a single user's credentials are uh, compromised, or you know they want they use the same uh, password somewhere else, and their information leaks, and someone else tries to access their Tesla account. Uh, nowhere on that website or on Teslascope is someone able to say, "Okay, I'm going to take this person's access tokens, put it onto my own app, or put you know take it elsewhere." Now all of a sudden, I know where this person's been. Um, you're able to, by doing so, you're able to restrict access to things, keep everything kind of exactly in one place and have it a lot more kind of locked down on where, uh, where access, where data is accessed and only, you know, been, uh, intended for just the person who obviously owns the account. How mm. often do, tof uh, do tokens expire? Uh, when Tesla, uh, when you first create a token, I think they expire with about 45 days, but, uh, mm. I have a kind of a, uh, script that runs every single day it checks when you know how many tokens are going to be expiring soon and it essentially randomly refreshes them i think about it's either between three to seven days prior to when they would normally expire and it just continuously does that in a kind of an automated manner so that uh, the functionality is always working for uh, users awesome so it's okay. not incumbent on the user to log in or log out and no. refresh the token oh that's good yeah, I have, a um, new, I have a new question, which is out there. Many people have this question. Uh, some of some of my close friends who are Tesla users have this question as well. Um, the question they have is: so let's say uh, any service, Tesla Scope for that matter, authenticates via a a token, uh, right? But but the token gets compromised for some reason. Will having a two-factor authentication help them protect their data? For instance, on the Tesla accounts, right? On the uh, Tesla account or on Tesla Scope? On Tesla account. So let's say. Okay. So so for 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 some reason the uh, the token on Tesla Scope gets gets compromised, but the people right. have two-factor authentication on the Tesla accounts. Will it help them protect the data? So at so uh, at this point, uh, Tesla and this is there there might be a little a couple little callouts here and there to, to um kind of the uh, practices that Tesla has implemented, but. At this point, um, for whatever reason, Tesla does not fully implement the uh, two-factor authorization 
that uh, you know, you, you're able to set up on your account. It is used when you first log in. It's used for making purchases and a couple other kind of things where you know, if, if something were to happen, it's very hard to kind of uh, revert the change. But uh, mm -hmm. once you authenticate a account to any of the third-party services or even the even the Tesla app itself, um, that access is kind of permanently granted. So even if you uh, if, if you do enable 2FA and you didn't have it origin um, originally, it will actually invalidate every single account or every single uh, service that was using that token. It will just instantly do so. Same yeah. thing with uh, changing your password on your Tesla account. If you change your mm -hmm. password, even if it's the same uh, thing, I don't know if they allow the same password, but if they were to do so, um, Every single service, including the Tesla app that uh, utilized those tokens is immediately invalidated. So you immediately are able to restrict access to everything. Um, and if you ever have a you know a hunch that it, one of your tokens has been um, compromised in any way, uh, as long as you have access to your Tesla account, which uh, you know no service uh, in including those credentials would be able to actually have someone get into your account. And you, you also can't get into the uh, tesla.com website with access tokens. Uh, the access tokens yeah. that are generated are just used for accessing the uh, vehicle data. That's essentially anything that you see through the Tesla mobile app is the only kind of data that we can request as uh, third parties. Interesting. So in, in because, essence, uh, I would say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nash. No, sorry, Mike. Uh, in essence, can we say that it is only the API data that's being uh, accessed by uh, any any website which has authentication and not the Correct. actual Tesla account itself, just the API data? Yes. Yes. So Tesla choose, chooses to expose. That's the one, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. In in a technical terms, uh, we both Tesla as well as we call that the owner's API, and that owner's API is exactly is kind of the only data that we're able to request for for, for the same reasons. Like I'll occasionally get emails and say, "Hey, uh, can you access my supercharging records through the uh, Tesla website?" And uh, you know, automatically pull that into my account. And for the same reasons that you know, we only have access to certain kind of certain information. That usually and the answer ends up ends up being no for that at least for the, the moment until tesla provides that through the app or another experience i'm going to make note of a question we're going to ask later though uh kicking yeah, after, after interesting you. interesting i have noticed that uh, some websites some other data loggers allow you to use your own token right yes can you just walk us through a quick uh, quick in a nutshell what does that mean why would i ever need to generate my own token and how that works so uh, as I said before, there's so there's two kind of two methods. There's the providing of your credentials, and when you do so, it, it generate we kind of take those credentials and immediately generate the uh, the um, tokens. But when you provide your tokens itself, a lot of a lot of people who are into security will prefer that. And the reason so is at no point uh, is the, are those credentials ever touching the server. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have to log in through a third party where you are providing your credentials, there's still a kind of a temporary request that gets uh, sent through where you know they have to at least uh, see that data, send it to Tesla, and then get those tokens back. But by providing your tokens, you actually are just skipping that whole step. You're kind of you're just kind of skipping one skip, uh, skipping one of the one or two of the steps, and okay. directly providing that token uh, to that service to be able to utilize and use to access your vehicle. Is that is right. that something that Tesla Scope supports today? Yes. It does support yeah. to be able to provide your own token. Yes. Okay. Uh, when you both, uh, when you first sign up for the website, there's kind of two little windows. One provide, one allows you to provide your credentials, but the other also allows you to provide a token that you've generated. And there's actually a guide directly on Tesla Scope that kind of walks you through the exact steps, exactly what you have to type in, exactly what you have to do on your okay. own computer, so that everything is handled, you know, exactly through yourself uh, for generating the tokens. 
Got it. And it's a, and it's a, and it's again, it's a one-time exercise, correct? So you'll keep exactly. refreshing exactly. the token internally with your script, but we won't have to keep providing you with the token every 45 days, for example, right? Exactly. A couple okay. services, uh, what they'll do is they'll take that token and that's, that's the token that they'll utilize. And you know, as soon as it expires, it expires. But what we found and what, sorry, what I found is um, a lot of people will take those tokens, use it for different services. But the second that that service, either something goes wrong or they have, they refresh it themselves, Every other service that uses that uh, refer that uses that token immediately no longer has access. So, uh, what we did and what uh, actually a couple other services kind of followed the same route is uh, you only have to provide the refresh token um, when you when you generate your own tokens. You're actually given two of them. One is the access token. One is a refresh token, and that refresh token is essentially just used for generating a new set of access tokens. And once you do once you do that process, that uh, refresh token that you provided is immediately invalidated, so that only that service that generated those tokens is then able to use them from that point on. And uh, that was really important because you know I like things just always functioning, less questions having to be asked, and just you know second that the user signs up, they can expect that everything is going to continue working and working you know as kind of as they attended without having to touch anything. Um, so yeah, the second that you provide a token, it's immediately used to generate those tokens, and then from that point on that. That same cycle of a refreshing kind of begins at that point. Got it. Got it. And in the future, awesome. will, will there be any support for PHP? Um, uh, um, what is it called? PHP uh, passwords. PHP password support. Um, I don't PHP, know. Like PHP encrypted keys. Um, oh, uh, not at this time. I could look. I definitely look into it, but I. I know there's there's a, a good divide of both the, the very technical and the just kind of every everyday user, and I have to I kind I kind of find a, a good uh, kind of middle 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 ground for everything. Yeah, sure. fair enough. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Let's go on to our next question. Mm -hmm. um, I think you answered <laughs> this two part. You answered the one part. What are you using AWS or Azure mm -hmm. or Google? You're using AWS. Yeah, um, right. yeah. and. How do you optimize the the cost benefit equation? Oh, now, I was going to ask that question as well. In order nice to in order to ensure scalability and redundancy, at the same time keep the cost low. But I mean, and and when you pass that cost on to the end user, right? Like to cover for the cost of setting up and maintaining the hardware. I mean, the backend. Right. Um, do you have? Oh, can you talk us through about how you tackle the scalability problem? Now, um, congratulations on uh, Stellar 2020, by the way, we, um, yeah, as you posted you. On, on with your tweet. Um, how have you scaled up as as you've seen the number of use, the users in your user base increasing over the year? So um, performance and efficiency was something that I tackled very, very early on on Teslascope. I'd say like within the first three months, that was the number one thing that I was uh, working on and kind of focusing on because I realized, you know, as you as a, as a as the user base would grow, as there's more um, vehicles being updated and, and um, you know, you know, um, interacted with, uh, performance and making sure that things would scale was would be very, very vital. Um, there was even a point, I think, within the first month where, you know, when things weren't weren't uh, efficient, when things weren't weren't going uh, you know as efficient and performant as they as they could be, uh, there definitely was some uh, scary signs of uh, is this gonna is this even gonna work? Is this gonna just immediately cost way too much and uh, you know not not just not not be a viable thing? 
Um, mm. So I spent many nights, many weeks, just really tackling, you know, getting things to be as efficient, getting the kidding costs down, uh, making it because I, as I just as like a little bit of transparency, uh, Tesla scope is my my main source of income. And thus anything, any expenses that, you know, come out of that income, obviously, is is uh, trying to keep that low is, is obviously um, essential, but also just really important. Um, and so thus, um, a lot of things I, 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 I looked at and I, I before I even began Tesla scope, I looked at a lot of the open source projects that regard to Tesla. Um, there's a great one called Tesla mate, a couple others. And I also looked at the, the different services, I even reached out to a couple of the developers, including like Teslify, And I kind of um, obviously, you know, not, not every developer is going to share their their secret sauce or their details. But I kind of in, inferred the ways that they structured everything in the database, the ways that they handled polling. And I took from there kind of little bits and pieces I could um, and what I know myself of, as a developer. And um, I was basically able to, within the first couple of months, make a very, very, very efficient uh, vehicle polling inf infrastructure um, where every single minute, you know, every single vehicle is, you know, we, it, it kind of determines whether it should be updated or not. There's about 12 different things that it checks for, a bunch of little, little bells and whistles in here and there. But um, a lot of the little bits and pieces that I was able to incorporate were um, a lot of services, they will essentially just store everything all in one table. So you have every single, uh, kind of to mimic the Tesla API, you have every single value just in a single table across the, the way. And that's great when you need everything, but when you aren't always going to need that, that information, otherwise things aren't always going to be um, updating that, in that manner. Um, that's just a lot of extra data you're having to send, a lot of extra data that you have to work with to have to access. There's costs to all that kind of that back and forth. And so very early on, I structured the database to kind of have everything very modular. So every single uh, vehicle state, uh, which is kind of what the Tesla called the different uh, aspects of the data. So there's a drive state for when you're moving around. There's a charging state that gets populated with a bunch of the different charging information. There's a vehicle state, which is kind of the uh, random vehicle information bits and pieces. Um, and uh, making everything modular so that I could just access exactly what I needed to be able to, you know, for things for, you know, checking the status of things, whether the vehicle was, was driving or not, um, made things so much more performant, um, and just be able to kind of exclude things that I, you, you know, didn't need to be updated and so forth. I got to um, give you a shout out for using Mapbox as your map. Oh service. yeah, absolutely. That is so smooth. Like I love how the maps just work. With Mapbox, right. it's. Uh, I, I I love the theme, the theme, like being able to theme everything with Mapbox, and just there. Mm. I've used Google Maps my whole life, and every every service prior to this, this is the first one I used Mapbox on. So I'm still learning here and there, but I loved how beautiful the maps looked. I loved how uh, you know how just everything across the board looked great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Okay, awesome. So the layout of the website also is amazing. I, I really like the way it, the whole uh, website is layout, laid out right from the sign in page where it says, right. you know, this is not an official Tesla account. You should not be using your credentials here. I like all right. of that. It's, it's, it's sort of uh, you know, on your face disclaimer that no one can ignore. It's not, it's not you know, buried under a lot of text. It's all up front and center. And uh, and even the even the way it says you know uh, uh, sexy at tesla.com that looks really gorgeous too I really like that that right. uh, that uh, finesse and touch really like that. Are you Thank planning you. to allow customizable tiles on the page itself? Oh yeah, uh, there. So this uh, this year, or sorry, I should keep I shouldn't say this year. Uh, <laughs> twenty twenty, 
2020 was all was very focused on getting the core functionality down. So right. getting you know all, everything regarded to uh, charting, everything down to driving, kind of getting the the pages and everything else laid out. Uh, that was my main focus. I wanted to uh, offer every single thing that Tesla kind of vehicle owners were expecting through any of these uh, you know the third party apps. And this following year is going to be really focused on you know customization, personalizing the experience on Tesla Scope to be exactly what you're looking for. Um, towards the end of last year, I implemented this thing called uh, the vehicle different uh, vehicle dashboard options. So in vehicle settings, you can if you drive a vehicle off and you have you can see everything you want. Uh, there's an option for if you do, if you either aren't driving a vehicle right now or if it's like let's say it's in a garage. There's an uh, inactive uh, vehicle option where you can just hide everything you want besides just the vehicle's name and kind of in basic information. Um, that was the kind of the very start of it. Um, but yeah, next year there will be a lot more customization from being able to customize everything, be able to pick and choose exactly what you want to see when you first go onto the the Scope website, and just in general, um, I like I really love and be able you know give control about making you know. We talked a little bit, a little bit, a little bit about this before the uh, podcast started, but uh, making the experience personal, making the experience personal to just you and your vehicle or the vehicles that you have, because you know th the Tesla vehicle allows you to have so much more control than any other vehicle prior. I'm sure there will be more vehicles and more you know things in the future like that, but it, you know. I've I've loved my experience with my Tesla. I love being able to kind of make it my own, and um, I, in the same ways with Tesla Scope, I want to be able to uh, contribute in that those ways as well. I do want to say really quickly, I say uh, Mark said nice nice chest tequila, and we just 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 got that uh, yesterday. So um, I, <laughs> it's it's coming out to uh, people in California and a little bit. Uh, it started on the East Coast and coming to the West Coast now. Uh, nice. I think Mark got, got his just a day or day before mine, but yeah, You're lucky West Coast buggers. <laughs> lucky, lucky, lucky. Um, I don't think it'll it'll come to Canada. I think we might get the bottle for posterity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just, yeah. I just want the bottle anyways. In Australia. Hey, it's, I'm, it's fine. I mean, I'll put it with Apple Apple juice. Apple juice. look exactly the same. I, I, I'd probably do that myself. <laughs> you got a question from Mark here. Uh, yes. Any plans to include other Tesla products that are coming through the API, such as Solar, Powerwall, and Cybertruck in the future? Mm -hmm. So I, I've actually been working, I'd say the last six months, I've been working with about three or four individuals who were very gracious to allow me to uh, access their kind of their Tesla accounts and kind of use it as a um, kind of starting ground to actually work on solar, solar focuses. Um, mm -hmm. Tesla does offer a, kind of a lot better of a um, data access uh, to things in regard to solar than they do with the Tesla vehicle stuff. So with solar, you already kind of can go back in time and view the last, I think it's like up to 30 days of um, your energy usage and so forth. But uh, I am, I, there are kind of very uh, prototype uh, things in work to be able to offer things in regard to solar, to regard to the power wall. There'll be some public, public statistics. So as more people get solar, you'll be able to see, you know, how much uh, electricity was generated throughout the day, um, you know, the, the average usage and so forth. Um, I've been trying to get in the process of getting uh, the solar panels on my uh, house as well, because I'm unfortunately uh, part of an HOA. Uh, they do legally in California, they are required to allow it. But my, my HOA fortunately has uh, always been a, um, interesting time working to work with to say, say the okay. least so as soon as i get that working and i'm have i am and i have my own access to things it'll make make that development experience a little bit more uh just all in house and make, make it a little, little worries. i i i'm very fortunate and i appreciate the, the individuals uh, who've been willing to let me access everything and kind of use their data to build this this out but 
uh, as with my own vehicle and kind of be able to use it as kind of the, the my uh, my own little guinea pig. Um, it's it makes development a lot easier to have your your own data to work with. I so I, 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 I suppose yeah. I'm sure I'm sure everyone will agree that access to data data is king in today's yeah. world and the more yeah. the merrier, especially when you're building out a system. Mm. Um, not part of my original questions, but how do you do load testing? How do you do stress testing on your servers? Um, they, so um, the biggest thing that brings down a site nowadays is just database hits. Um, you can, a, a well-tuned server can handle quite a, you know, if it's really well-tuned, it can handle quite a few thousand requests per second. Um, I, I I haven't looked at the my so we I utilize Cloudflare for both the um, for the for the security and protection, but also just for analytics as well. And I'd say we get about twenty five million to thirty five million uh, requests per uh, thirty days, and that includes just people on the website. That includes API calls. Uh, that doesn't include the Tesla interactions. That doesn't include like with the data that Tesla's sending back and forth, but just people or other sources requesting that. Um, so we it gets a good amount of uh, better requests. I think we went down for about one hour uh, as the holiday updates were coming out, uh, and we were just getting hammered with things. There was a single little little bit where I didn't uh, wasn't caching something, so people were hitting the database a little bit more. But a lot of things, a lot of load balancing things, can really just be resolved just by making sure that things that don't need to be always you know current. You know, if, if it's okay for something to be about you know a minute or two behind. Just you know, the first request caching it so that every request from you know sub subsequent request is just getting hitting that same data, not longer hammering the database, and that way you're able to just provide everything kind of fluidly. Why I asked you is because it's a very common practice in uh, when you look at the infrastructure, they ask you how many units you can support, and right. usually, usually a lot of people don't have uh, don't have the right answer. They don't ha they can't even guess because especially right. small people who start small, right, and then expand out, we don't really know. Because I, if you've deployed did, a thousand, uh, you can't really say it can support forty thousand because you've never deployed forty thousand. You don't have the resources to test load test forty thousand, unless right. you can create. You can you can create a script that will push the data to your server in the back end, and right. and test it offline. Kind of like, oh, okay, I can handle the load with this kind of latency. Because so I have I have I have two two answers to that. Um, yeah. In regard to the website, so the kind of the uh, the user facing things. Um, I did some initial pen testing, both myself as well as I, I have. A, I have a. I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of uh, people within the you know, the industry. I have someone who was an ex Googler who I've worked with and kind of gotten tips from. Another person who's worked for Facebook briefly, um, right. and I'll kind of come to them and with either advice or questions at times. Right. And so uh, there was a point where I think we hammered Tesloscope about like six months ago with um, a bunch of requests and kind of upped it as time. And I think we got up to like. 30,000 normal requests per second before it's even started to just buckle a little bit. Oh, nice. Um, That's so pretty nice. Obviously, if, if someone really wants to, um, you know, attack the service, obviously, you know, we can, oh, I can always um, ban IPs or so forth through Cloudflare. And Cloudflare does a really good yeah. job of preventing that as well. Um, but, and that, so that's, that's, a, that's a, the, the first, the first part uh, in regard to the, the uh, website. In regard yeah. to the back end, um, because there's obviously there's the vehicle um, infrastructure and the interactions with Tesla. Um, and in that regard, so I, I think I said earlier, uh, everything on Tesloscope runs through a single uh, EC2 instance, all one server. There's no other kind of uh, things to that. 
Um, and at this point, that server is only running at about 20 CPU. Um, I, I don't reserve the instances, so I think as soon as you hit 40 CPU is when the uh, CPU credits, I think the, the, the term for it, starts to kind of go down, and you have to eventually upgrade the, the uh, server that you have. But mm. um, essentially, I will not. I, if things go well, I should not have to actually touch or um, you know upgrade the infrastructure at all uh, until I essentially double the amount of vehicles that we have on our service so uh, we'll be able to get to the you know 12 15,000 vehicles before we have to really look into you know additional costs and so forth or anything so the the costs for Tesla scope will just continue to kind of remain the same besides the very very gradual database increase interesting i have a corollary to that question and and this is the question that i was going to ask uh, earlier as well now uh, just circling back on uh, security um, can uh, is, is Tesla Scope vulnerable to uh, uh, brute force attacks? As well as the second question is second part of the question is um, uh, man in the middle attacks because right. that's that's the question that all my all my friends have as well. Most of my friends have some 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 degree of technical knowledge. You see, so yeah. right. Yeah. So um, I I I I I'm I have a very moderate. Uh, I guess view and understanding of a lot of things. Um, I'm ver only very so moderate moderate with system administration things. Um, when I first started, when I first uh, set up the servers, well, everything else, I actually uh, did work with someone else who does work with in in the uh, infosec uh, industry. Uh, they gave a bunch of pointers, gave uh, you know recommendations for access, actually helped with me getting things set up. Um, so in terms of actually direct access to things, everything should be should be absolutely fine. Uh, there's no uh, access to the actual database uh, remotely as well. Everything has to go through the server. So uh, as long as the server is fine, you know, that everything er actually uh, essentially direct access to the database is um, always safe. Um, Laravel itself um, prevents er essentially every type of uh, SQL injection, um, which is another very common thing on the internet. Uh, not not as common today, but that's that's usually a method that a lot of people, a lot of uh, bad actors use for trying to access access data that, that they shouldn't. Um, yeah. In regard to brute forcing, um, Everything that is brute forcible uh, is it does have either rate limiting implied, or there's there's things on uh, Cloudflare that are watching over those little endpoints. Um, TeslaScope, uh, there's a lot more services now, but TeslaScope was one of the first services to implement a two-factor authorization uh, prior to even Tesla doing so. Uh, so if someone has that enabled as well, that is very much not brute forcible, and that that uh, there's a rate limit to that applied as well, and just mm. the general safety of having another uh, set of um, Another kind of another another gate to go through. Yeah, and I think there's one thing, Tyler. Sorry, sorry, Nash. I had to bring this up because this one unsung hero website that you guys that you guys have come up with is basically to unlock your car using Tesla Scope. If you're, that's a that's a huge deal. Like just right. I think it gets very little attention, but um, sure. I, I think you can bring it up if you have the URL real quick. Um, uh, do you know what the URL is, like uh, Tyler? Oh, it should just be uh, unlock. Um, I think it's either un unlock my Tesla or un unlock your Tesla dot com. So while while, you're, yeah. while you guys are figuring that out, I think Tesla. I think what has uh, what has also happened in the in the in the in the last five years is ever since iCloud had that brute force attack, uh, right? Uh, things things have changed for the good. I mean, yeah, that was that was a good one. This is actually very cool. So. To be able to gain access to your Tesla if you've been locked out, um, or it's 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 actually very awesome. I actually tried this once and it was pretty rad. Um, can you give us a bit about what got you into building this as well? 
Yeah. So, you know, Tesla Scope obviously offers a lot of things, but not everyone, not everyone is into, into statistics and not, no, no, also not everyone wants to either, you know, participate in a platform or otherwise, you know, just be involved, I guess, in, in a community like that. So there were still a lot of people who had an interest to be able to essentially, you know, if you can do the same thing with Tesla Scope, but if someone doesn't want to have to create an account and all that, you know, the hassle of, you know, verifying an email and so forth, and you're just trying to get into your vehicle. Um, I created this for that, that, uh, that, that, um, kind of that focus. Um, there's two individuals who are both uh, Tesla uh, service employees who I speak to a lot. And I would say one of them is a really good friend. And they brought up a lot that, you know, people will often call Tesla just to unlock their vehicles just because, you know, whether they left their uh, key fob inside the car or their phone is dead, so they have to borrow someone else's phone. And not only do you have to call, you have to wait on the line. If it's a busy day, you might be on the line for 30, 45 minutes. Um, not, yes. not, not all the time, but, you know, definitely depending on where you are. Um, Whereas, you know, if you just need to get access to your, your, to your vehicle because you locked yourself out, just be able to provide your, you know, the credentials, log in, immediately be able to, uh, you know, unlock your vehicle, lock it again. And then the second that after, after 30 minutes of you not being on this website, it will automatically invalidate the session as well. And there's also a little button that lets you click on it that will immediately invalidate it as well. And so this is essentially, it, it, it's powered by Tesla Scope and they kind of this exact same authorization uh, method that you, know, you use when you connect your account. But it's it's a single time, just you know, a little, little bit of little bit of a utility to you know get get people back into their vehicles, reduce a little bit of the uh, call traffic and call volume that uh, Tesla gets. Um, got a couple, couple. I got I've I've gotten one confirmation that it was used, and then the the person told their the Tesla service uh, individual that they had used it. So I got one one little thing for that. That's all. If I can help one person, then that's all that all that matters to me. That's awesome. I think Mark has got a, a sort of a follow up question. So he's yes, asked. Uh, would uh, Tesla Scope consider partnering with uh, Tesla or being bought by Tesla? I mean, we don't want it to be bought by Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a great fan of uh, OEMs sherlocking uh, right. hardware nor software uh, uh, I don't know, features. I, I don't like uh, OEMs doing the, the, the Sherlock for all the, all the features. I mean, Apple is famous and Google is famous too. I mean, Apple is infamous for, for Sherlocking. Uh, all the good ideas that have come out is right well, from the thing is, right, I think right from is, the app store. The thing yeah. though is that I think that uh, I think looking at this, I think the just this is my opinion. I think Tesla has a lot of people monitoring different platforms and different outcome. I mean, at different things uh, yes. to see what's out there in the industry. I don't think that I think they. It's just my opinion that I think they want the industry to flourish. I think the data is the new oil. And I think the next supply chain is going to be a data supply chain. And Tesla can't build, Elon says this frequently, they can't build everything in-house. They've got to build the best car experience and they have only finite focus. They need to have razor sharp focus on building the best user experience for the vehicle, um, for the customer in the vehicle. Right. And there's more than enough Tesla people, I mean, Tesla owners out there me like like ourselves and you know Tyler here who's gracious enough to to actually keep this his full time project I mean to his full time job to yeah. actually build build out data analytics so I think that um, but there's also a flip side where Elon does say that Tesla is a microcosm is a collection of microcosms of multiple small companies working right. on different specialities 
the, the possibilities are endless, right? I mean, we could we could theorize and hypothesize on how Tesla Scope could get integrated eventually into Tesla as the data analytics team at some point. Who knows? Mm. You know, right? What would happen at that point? I, I'm not sure. But anyway, that's a, that's an interesting question to pose and ask. But Tyler, you can give us a hypothetical response if <laughs> if you feel fit. <laughs> um. So I will uh, from the the ground up. I'll say um when I. I was worried about this too, or I was I was worried in regard to Tesla and kind of the third parties initially. And before I worked on Tesla Scope, I actually reached out to someone who was an engineer. Um, one of my childhood friends was a, a engineer at Tesla, and I kind of asked them a little bit of information. I was like, "Hey, do you think there's a chance that Tesla will shut this down, or otherwise not like this?" Because um, you know, services like Tesla Fi have been around for I think three, four years prior. Um, they had you know at no point did it seem like you know Tesla had ever taken action against them. So I. Once I got that reassurance, I dove in, and um, even recently, um, I can't I can't state who said this because uh, it was kind of told to me in confidence. But um, Elon has communicated both uh, publicly as well as in privately that you know anything that builds upon the owner experience is good. Any it, oh, Tesla God. views anything that is positively impacting uh, their customers, their vehicle owners, is something that is they're going they're they're either indirectly going to support or directly support. And thus, you know, a lot of these, these, a lot of these uh, third third party services, as long as they're doing the right things, as long as they're keeping you know uh, data uh, secure and safe, as long as they're you know treating their customers happy, that's more or less the the end goal of Tesla. Um, now to, to answer, I'm oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead, go ahead, continue. Um, to answer Mark's question, so this is something that I've actually I've I, I will I'll share here because I've I have stated it publicly a couple times. I don't think on Twitter yet, but. Um, it is, and I also, I, I hate to share this too, um, Nash, because I know that's something that you, you brought up, but um, I actually have a, I have a wholehearted goal of Tesla acquiring Tesla Scope at some point. And my goal is to sell it for $0, $0 and zero cents. Um, no. Because I wow, build no Tesla Scope with the intention of just creating something that, you know, is good, is, is a benefit to all Tesla vehicle owners. I. I didn't. I again. I, I didn't start with this with the intention of it being my full time job. I've I've loved working on it, and I, I love working on it every single day. But my end goal is to see either through you know acquiring Tesla Scope or otherwise Tesla building something in itself. Third party services like this, kind of the things that they offer, is something that a lot of vehicle owners want. Um, collectively, every single third party's users collect, uh, combined makes up about about five to seven percent of every single Tesla owner. So about five, you know, five out of every hundred vehicle owners that exist all around the world use one of these these services. Um, so my goal is to see something like this incorporated into the kind of Tesla ecosystem, possibly offered through the uh, premium connectivity. So, you know, you're already paying, you know, three to five dollars for all these services to kind of incorporate that, incorporate that into the things you're already getting through the premium connectivity that way. Um, but, you know, I, I love I, I love building experiences. I love okay. building anything that betters the experience for vehicle owners in any way. And if Tesla can provide something in that kind of that exact same manner, that's that's. I'm happy at the end of the day. Um, okay, I have, I, would, I have, I have a follow-up question. Of course. I'm, I'm, if if Tesla is watching, I I hope the latter is the truth. So, would you want to be acquired or acquired? <laughs> if if Tesla is willing to give me kind of you know artistic direction and freedom over the project, I would love that. But I I have my I have my goals set set elsewhere. I. I um, I, I love working, I love, I love creating projects for myself. And I love having that, you know, that freedom of things like that. So if Tesla were to be able to provide that for me, I would love to, you know, continue to work on Tesla scope, you know, as kind of under the, uh, the Tesla guys as, as, you know, as a, as a sort. Yeah. Um, but 
Now, yep. I, 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 I asked this question for, for one reason. Um, I'm sure uh, you, you know of Anantech, uh, the, 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 the Apple yep. guys. Anantech right. was hired by Apple eventually after doing years and years of exemplary work uh, right. out, outside the Apple sphere. So, yeah. You never know. I don't know. You never I'm, know. I'm hopeful. If, if, thing, if there was any interest in that, I'm hopeful, and I will. I'm hopeful that things will would be good. My only request is that you know, I I don't want the experience to ever degrade. I I don't want that kind of experience. You know, that the topic of an acquisition to ever take away from the experience currently offered through Trestlescope or take away from the experience that are you know things that are that are currently offered. Um, you know, I want things to be accessible. I want things to be you know. The kind of the exact same experience and if tesla can do so and bring it in-house and you know build upon it in some way and you know either more more data access that i that we can access that's that's all the better and, and knowing and knowing tesla uh, having watched tesla all these years they they probably will uh, keep the um uh, keep the experience virgin i think so yeah i i, I think what, um what, 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 what thing to add real quick go ahead go ahead um I say, you know, so Tesla technically does know about Teslascope. Um, and they know about a lot of, they know about every, pretty much every service. Um, but one thing that was, that I'll share, because it was also was shared publicly at one point, um, and this is in the Discord server, um, Teslascope, um, Tesla in, in addition to Teslify and a couple other services, mainly the, the ones that have, that have been more notable, uh, is currently mentioned in a uh, one of the internal documents at Tesla in regard to their employee uh, full self-driving wow. program. So, and it's distinctly uh, in the notion of do not use this if you are an employee. Uh, primarily, uh, Tesla does Tesla, uh, in case there are, you know, little secrets that, you know, show up on the, in the, the data access, they don't want any of the, the third-party services to see that. But as of, I think it was like July of last year, Teslascope is now included on that document. Uh, so I've, I've made it, I've made it somewhere. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing either. It's, it's saying, hey, this service exists, you know, it, if there was anything negative, they would have they would have taken it. So, so uh, just to raise that point, if any of us gets the FSD beta, oh, we yeah. will not be required to cancel our Tesla Scope subscription or um, not be required to stop Tesla Scope from polling our vehicles. Correct. So, believe this. This kept me awake one night because I was dreaming about FSD beta. All right, I've been right. having those. Like Franklin Motherfunker takes it to the whole extreme. On Twitter right. and Tesla yeah. Gong tries. <laughs> also, hashtag uh, S, S, uh, FSD beta. Beta Canada. Yes, yes. And uh, FSD beta. Uh, yes. 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 And um, this was one thing I kept thinking about. I'm I'm subscribed to, right. I think, the plethora of services available. Yeah, All yeah, yeah. I love data. So I'm, I'm subscribed to everybody to see who offers right. what. And would I need to stop? Would I need to stop? The vehicles from polling my device—I mean, the services from polling my vehicle—while during the duration of the beta, while being a beta tester. So there's there's a correct answer, and then there's another answer. Okay. So the correct answer is uh, Tesla. Technically, as part of the NDA, uh, you are supposed to unlink all third parties, as as Mark just said. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I think at least in one initial email, it does state that it says you know do not use a certain a couple of certain services. I don't know if Teslascope was was included on that, but obviously it would include Teslascope. Um, and that's mainly just to respect their NDA in case there is any you know, data that, that that would would seep through. Um, now, that isn't always followed, uh, both on Tesla as well as the Teslify. Um, there were, there are still a few individuals, um, and you know, just full transparency. Uh, you know, every request that Tesla sends, Tesla is aware of, and we send headers and stuff. So, 
if Tesla ever really wanted to to uh, you know cut connection to those vehicles, they could. Um, there are a couple uh, full uh, full self driving beta uh, members on Tesla Scope, but uh, I distinctly uh, last year I developed a, a toggle in the advanced section of vehicle settings where now I, I of what I've been able to to kind of get out of Tesla and communicate is the biggest thing that they don't want is the versions showing up. They don't like when any of the you know the early access program uh, things regarding the software show up on on any of the third party services. So what I did is I toggle I made a little toggle where if you are part of an early access program, you can check that or you can do, it's actually you're you're disabling it. And by disabling this, uh, you're disabling every aspect of software logging in regard to vehicle, so that you're, you know, if you are if you are on the, the beta and you and you uh, get an, an update, it's not going to show up on the tweets. It's not going to show up on any of the publicly accessible things. It kind of keeps your data still exactly just for yourself, but, but it, it continues to exclude yourself, so that you know you're you're never essentially alerting other people that hey, there's there's this there's 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 a full salt. There's someone someone uh, on early access on the uh, program, because for me. You know, uh, there, there's we. Um, you sh just because you joined the, the early access program, just because you joined the beta, should not mean that if you were using a third party service and you enjoy it and you love it, and that was kind of what you you were going through, you, that you should you should have to give that up. Yeah. Um, now, again, correct answer is you aren't supposed to. And so, so as you know, uh, you sh you know, this is my message: if if you are on the early access program, do not you know do not use Tesla Scope. Or I, I recommend against it, but. There's no way for us to determine if someone is on the program. There's no flags or anything in the API that that, that distinguishes that. So there could be more. There's there are, there's at least three that have you know communicated that to me uh, who have reached out themselves. But uh, they all are as of um, a little bit into last year. They all are now have their software logging disabled because previously there was one individual who kept kept it on, and that was how we were able to get uh, some of the tweets in regard to the full self driving beta to show up. But that's now been been resolved, uh, and awesome. they are disabling it. I've got two questions. Um, one is from Mark in the comment. Yeah, I have I have a I have a piggyback question to that. So oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Let's, let's, let's. All right. So that that's the question that Mark Mark is asking. Is there anything you wish uh, they add to the Tesla API? And my piggyback question to that was, uh, do you wish um, Tesla to expose uh, autopilot? Uh, yeah. API. I want. I would love to know how many kilometers I did on autopilot no, in, in, in somebody, run. somebody asked Elon. Like I've asked him a few times, and I think I tweeted it to him a few times. And and yes. lots of people want to know what kind of mileage they're using on driving on autopilot. Is that Absolutely. something you're able to discern that from was, the data? So that isn't something we were able to concern. But that was the exact thing I was going to say before before you you said mentioned autopilot. That was that's that's the number one thing that comes to mind when I think of you know what the API is missing. Just just knowing mm -hmm. if we're if we're on autopilot or not because then we you know on if you're visualizing it, you can see you know you can see you know hey how long you know was someone on autopilot you can show a little like different color for that that stretch of road or so forth mm -hmm. and it just you know there's a lot of people who are kind of guesstimating how many miles have been yeah. driven on autopilot yeah. but just having access to that data even if they were if they were to show it on the app if they were to say you know on the mobile app hey this person's on autopilot that that that, that would immediately allow for us to be able to just show that and access that data I, I just want to add one small point. A bunch of us here, YouTubers here in Australia, we we do something called Urban Autopilot Challenge. So every time a software drops in, so we take the car out on a on the same route every single right. time, and and we 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 look for autopilot disengagements uh, in that route to see how many uh, how many times we had to dis disengage autopilot. Of course, there are small variations with uh, with the with people following traffic rules and you know the uh, crazy drivers. We call them hoons here in Australia. So um crazy drivers driving badly but 
but uh, taking all that uh, out of the out of the equation, we look at what autopilot itself does in a particular stretch of road. Um, right. So uh, we do that over and over and again. More more of a, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, a, a, a sequence of, of of establishing the iterative uh, you know enhancement or improvements in autopilot um and this this will be this will be fantastic as as mark says uh, uh, autopilot odometer that'll be a brilliant uh, you know oh, yeah. a, a brilliant metric to to have access of you know another thing i see there's a there's a massive gap is uh, what is displayed on the the phone app versus what is uh, displayed in the vehicle for example just something simple as the cards the cards right. if if i was able to see the cards like on my phone it would be nice to be able to share with the the public that okay look i've done 14000 miles and here's my water per mile i have to actually go to my car and take a photo of right. that card mm -hmm. that doesn't exist anywhere yeah, yeah. actually so so yeah, another good point is uh having more metrics in regard to charging uh so currently like one one criticism that I, I always have a lot of other services um, that this is something that I actually don't include currently on Tesla Cup as well is there is no definite accurate way of determining the actual kilowatt per mile uh, usage for while you're driving. A lot mm. of services will kind of guess it. They'll you know take what the battery should be or what they think it is and kind of go from there. But in every experience that it, it either is perfect for some people or it's completely off for others and. For me, I, I I like everything being you know what you see is exactly what you should expect. Should get, so yeah. if, if there's any little yeah. things like that, I, I I at least currently exclude it until I can find a definite way of, of implementing that correctly. So that that would be another great thing to include. Autopilot <laughs> that alone has left so much room for inference. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I think that'll yeah. be a massive year if if Tesla opens out the autopilot information oh, on the exactly. API. That would be I, I, I want one more uh, feature to be added, to be honest. I'm not sure if it's possible now it, with, with the current set of data. I would like to know, uh, because we have uh, Tesla superchargers and other DC fast chargers. I would love to know what, uh, you know, how many how many, uh, how many, many times I've, I've used the Tesla superchargers versus the uh, non-Tesla DC fast chargers. Because right. our DC fast chargers are uh, 22, 22 kilowatt, 50 kilowatt, and 350 kilowatt. <laughs> so we right. have a wide breadth. We have a wide breadth of, of DC fast chargers as opposed to Tesla superchargers, which are only 130 kilowatts. So it says 150 right. or 130 kilowatts. 150. Yeah, we don't have we don't have V3. Oh, true. True. Yes, we have V2. We don't have V3. Hopefully, here hopefully soon. 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 Like you guys will abandon the V2s like so fast. <laughs> yeah, the V3s we want to. Yeah. Yeah, we want yeah. to, but we don't have V3s. Even the new supercharger, which was established in uh, um, in, in Sydney in March, March, yeah. yes, March of, this, March of last year, did not have uh, V3. It was all yeah. V2s. There are two blank bays in the Sydney supercharger, uh, in the mm. supercharger array. Nice. We don't know. V3, V3. But no, the, everybody's the, uh, the Shanghai factory now has a dedicated little like they're they're building out a building where they're de dedicating to just building superchargers. Um, yeah. I forget the metric. I, I want to say it was like they expect to make either twenty or thirty thousand stalls every year just from that well, that little building. It would be nice to have a supercharger parkade. Like yeah, that would be sick. Like just an entire parkade full of superchargers. I'm guessing if it it could be a reality. I mean, look at California, for example, the highest China. density of Teslas, or Norway for something like that. Oh, yeah. China, 37 superchargers or something, isn't it? They, they, have, they, they uh, just came out with a 72 stall uh, stall yeah. or uh, charger. Oh, in China. China. 
that's yeah, insane. China, yeah. That's wow. insane. Um, the the, the uh, UI almost takes up like a fourth of the screen and just the, the little like uh, dots for uh, yeah. you know, accessible. Yeah, that would be perfect. Um, two points before we wrap up for today. Mark mentions that also local data would um, to retain oh, yeah. would be nice. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm. That's one. The second is I have one last question for you, Tyler, um, about data and where and how it's stored. And right. where it's stored, and who can ask you? Oh, oops! Um, for it, you lost. And who can demand you? Oh, can you we hear might... me? Okay, uh, say that again. We think we lost you for, for just a second. Oh, sorry. Uh, can yeah. you hear me? No, yes. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. So, um, my questions I had is about the data, where it's stored, who can ask you for it, and by ask I mean who can demand you for it, and mm, right. what can you say in response. And how do you and is there any protection for the user? Considering we don't sign a hefty NDA with a thousand different points when we sign legal. up for say some service like Tesla Scope. Can, can legal get get your data? So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll kind of break that apart a little bit. So the uh, all the servers are currently located in the, in the United States. Uh, I have seen a couple uh, either posts or messages about people who like live in uh, Europe, for example, in regard to like the uh, G GRDP and so forth. Um, and just kind of respecting data requests and so forth. So from the um, in regard to requesting your own data, um, there's currently a uh, data export option through Tesla and that gives you kind of a very, it's not everything, but it's a very basic uh, access to just, you know, your I think it's your driving sessions, your charging sessions, your vehicle, like kind of basic information. Um, now, if anyone at any time ever wanted a full, you know, everything about their vehicle, I'm, I will always always request for that. If, if it's you know the, the individual requesting for their own vehicle's information, I can happily you know find other ways to to export everything. I actually on one occasion I have just literally given someone like a uh, SQL um, just download of just their vehicle's information and so forth. Um, See command on the database, extract all the tables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so on a, on a very small level, that that that's that's already always accessible, always possible. Well, I'm always just an email away or a message away, and anything that is um, you know your own data is your own data. You can always have access to it. You can always request for it. Uh, when someone deactivates their account and they delete their account, everything is immediately deleted off the database. Um, we I think we have a rolling uh, three day um, backup of all data just in case th things go down. Uh, I always try to communicate that to people as well. So you know, if you do delete your data, everything on the current database is always removed. And I do keep track of the, the accounts that are deleted. There's actually a, 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 um, a historical. It, it just stores the vehicle ID, and I think the uh, there's uh, an option to include why you deactivated your account. Right. Um, so I, if, if the case that the database is ever restored, I can go back to that and, and make sure to delete that data, data again immediately. Um, but yeah, the second things are deleted, everything is immediately deleted off the database. There's no kind of a, a data retention. Um, now, as for governing bodies requesting for things, I think that was something that you hit on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hasn't, ha hasn't happened yet. Um, if I am legally uh, obligated, you know, if there's some you know authorization. I'll, I'll obviously ask for if there's a you know court document. There's something ex explicitly requesting for this. Given that I don't think there's ever been an occasion where a third party has been requested that, because you know. We have some data, but it's by no means as detailed as Tesla. So I feel like that would still be something that uh, you know, the the, the uh, N NHTSA or anything else would go to Tesla for that information. Right. Um, but I think if, if that were to ever occur, I will also um, either prior or at the same time uh, send out an email to the individual or any individuals that are requested or as part of that um, request to say, hey, this 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 governing body, provide a link to it, provide you know, I, if if it's not anything um, confidential, include a copy of that email as well and say, hey. 
I I, I had to to obligate I, or I had to uh, comply to this due to legal obligations. Uh, this is what, what information was shared. I'll give you know the exact same data to that person as well if if um, requested, and just have as much transparency as possible. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that's a really good answer. I mean, look, yeah. uh, ultimately, when when users end users. If data has to become part of the user experience for a future Tesla owner or even present Tesla owners, right? And you want to let Tesla do yeah. their thing by making great cars for us so that we can then, you guys do your thing by making great services like Tesla Scope for us. Um, right. We need to know what we're getting into because Tesla makes us sign paperwork when buying right. their car. Right. Data third-party services don't make us sign anything when subscribing, right. yet they have collection to everywhere we're going, what where, where we stopped, how long we right. stopped for, what locations, so we want to know that everything is secure, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the message that we're trying to convey out to the general public is, is fear not, because it mm -hmm. is secure. A lot of thought gets put into the security aspect of things because we know that our vehicles are, tre are treasure troves of data. And right. we understand that data is, is, a very, is a very prominent topic in, in this generation, especially, right. I mean, with all the different ways your data can get shared. In the public, right. in the general public, in the public domain, right? So, um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. we've covered everything for this episode, well, guys. Yeah, we just wanted to. I, I just want to add one point to the yeah. to what KK said. I mean, if if somebody has something to hide, uh, they probably are wearing either a uh, you know a, a, a you know tinfoil hat or they're living inside a in, in, inside an air gap bubble. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's fine. Awesome. So now a small special section. We're going to talk about some upcoming features. What's in store for Tesla Scope in 2021 and beyond? So Tyler, it's, going to be, it it's going to be a busy year uh, for me. So I, I, I think uh, we kind of I touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, I, I'm the sole everything for Tesla Scope. I'm the sole developer, the marketer, the you know er, er, the customer service. I handle everything. So the timer constraints are primarily the only thing that keep me from doing everything I want and accomplishing everything. Um, but with that in mind, uh, next this year, I keep saying next year, this year, 2021, uh, it's going to be a, a really busy year. Um, that some of the features that I currently have planned uh, that I will, it's you know the first first uh, glimpse of um, our. I'm going to be do. Um, I'm planning a very very large uh, refactoring and kind of a revamp of the entire release uh, node system. So uh, not only will, will you be able to sort things from uh, actually just just distinctly your vehicle's model, but you'll be able to be able to. Um, filter things by country, by region, by language. Um, there's already options for being able to access things in different languages, but making that a little bit more easy to access as well. Um, I'm going to be able to, on the actual vehicle inf uh, information pages, because each vehicle has a kind of a list of what updates they've gotten, uh, just displaying the ones that your particular vehicle got. So it's not just displaying every single you know update that came out in that vehicle. Um, improving a lot of the uh, determinations for that is a big, big thing for me next year. Um, and there's going to be a lot of things focused around uh, social ability and being able to share things because, um, you know, obviously this isn't something I think I, I touched on this very briefly on the review review on Twitter, but, um, you know, I always want to make sure that things are so, that are social focusing are always optional where people who just want to use data, data logging for that, just those purposes can do so. But a lot of things focusing on social um, will be built, will be uh, added uh, this following year. 
uh, uh, one thing included will be be able to upload and showcase uh, pictures pictures of your vehicle. So uh, have a kind of a history historical account of you know the, the adventures your vehicle goes on, pictures you take on on road trips. Being able to include uh, pictures on the trips feature on Tesla is going to be a big thing. Um, you can already share trips uh, publicly, being able but be able to kind of attach little sentimental things and kind of give people more of a you know a, a build add people more right. into the experience that you've you shared. Um, you'll be able to, this is something that, you know, I was going to, I was going to plan to keep a little secret, but, um, I am uh, currently underway of doing a major build out of being able to upload and share uh, Tesla cam videos through Tesla scope. Um, a lot of people currently uh, just do so through YouTube, or if you want to show all the different views, you have to do a lot of editing. And there's a couple, you know, uh, I think open source projects where you can view things locally, but there's a lot of little, little, uh, issues with that and getting things to work. So I'm creating a fluid easy way to be able to upload videos, be able to just click on and view the different views from the different, you know, the different uh, angles of the vehicle. And instead of, you know, having everything through YouTube and having the ads in that regard, you can have it just all straight through Tesselscope, uh, being able to either upload and keep, actually have the uh, vehicles itself should be anonymous. So you can just upload it and share it, or you can associate it to your, your vehicle page. So, you know, if your vehicle is the one that caught this vehicle and you want to show it off and, you know, be proud of it, if you saw something <laughs> on the road or, you know, someone waved at your vehicle on the, on the sentry mode, having everything in-house and kind of building upon that social experience and, you know, uh, making Tesla more of just a worldwide hub. And, um, you know, the, again, the, the one-stop shop for everything Tesla, that, that Swiss army knife, uh, brought oh, up earlier. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. one more thing is I'm, uh, as I said, last year, last year was focused on kind of the build, the core build out, but, um, this, this year is going to be focused on building out a lot of the data access, uh, data visualizations, having, you know, things like temperature efficiency is one thing that's been requested a lot by people, mm -hmm. adding that to drives and so forth and charging, um, having better uh, import and export options for other services as well. So like, I love uh, Tesla Mate. I don't, I haven't used it myself often, but a lot of people do. Uh, it's a, a self-hosted little thing. So being able to both export and import data through there. So if you want to take your, your, your data from Tesla Scope and Go or bring data, uh, data from Tesla Mate, things like that, more inclusivity, um, I'm going to be working on getting more translations out so that more uh, languages are offered and, um, you know, across the site, uh, more currencies being offered, uh, just building upon the experience and making it great for everyone. Oh, that's awesome. All these are, are stellar features. If no one to come up, absolutely. Super, super, super man. Um, thank you so much, Tyler. Um, it's been phenomenal to chat with you today. Uh, we've learned a lot about Tesla scope and how, the whole, the uh, the platform data hosting side of things and data analytics side of things actually works. I think I've come out of this conversation a much more intelligent human being. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Nash, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so Thanks, much. Mate. Any closing comments, anything you'd like to ask? Uh, Tyler, thank you very much, mate. Really, uh, I love the service. I, I use it all the time. We uh, um, we try to get as much data of our cars as possible. Uh, I, I this is not a um, this is not an ad, but I am a a, a, a paid subscriber for all my cars for all of my Teslas. Ah, and uh, appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Really appreciate yeah, the work. Me too for my first Tesla and now my second Tesla. I mean, I, I find I find it hard to share. Like, I don't have two Teslas. I have one. I just replaced one with the other. But it's <laughs> um, anyway, that's awesome. Uh, Mark, on the comments, I think we've answered every question you've you managed to give us today. Um, and he says that's a lot of great features coming. And um, 
That's that's awesome. Uh, have a wonderful 2021, Tyler. I'm you sure well. we'll see you again. Um, yes. Let's let's do this again at some point, uh, mid year yeah. or maybe the end of the year. Let's 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 do a year in review for Tesla Scope at some point. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Be cool. Immediately before you get hired by Tesla. Yes. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for everyone joining in the comments. Peace until the next time. Yeah, Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye -bye.